You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Luke chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 46. I'll read down through verse 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich... He has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Let's pray together one more time. Father, we just quiet ourselves before you right now. In the midst of all the busyness of this season and the distractions that are often in our face and pulling us away from you, would you through your spirit pull us back into your love, back into your presence Today, I pray for each person that is here that we will leave differently than the way that we came in here as a result of encountering you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, let me see a show of hands. How many of you in here have Christmas traditions? Certain things you do this time of year around the same? Okay, for the majority of you in here, for, um, for the Pickney family, our Christmas traditions start on Thanksgiving Day. Um, we uh, put on some uh, Bing Crosby or Charlie Brown Christmas music. I get up in the attic, I pull down our Christmas decorations, and we begin to just adorn our house inside and out with Christmas lights and a Christmas tree and stockings and all the typical stuff that would remind us of our Savior's coming. And we're really excited about this. Every year I look forward to it. But this year, more than usual, I really look forward to it because this year I introduced uh, this guy. I think I put him on the screen for you right here. This is... That's what I thought. And so... This is a nine-foot-tall, inflatable Christmas bear. Look, he's like larger than life. And I was so excited about introducing him. Uh, one, because I got him for 75% off last year. A little tip for you, buy all your Christmas stuff the day after Christmas. Okay? And so I got that bear for 75% off, and I knew that my kids would be ecstatic whenever they laid eyes on him. And uh, so, you know, I put all the lights on the outside of our house, and I inflated this guy. I put stakes in the ground. And, and uh, man, just as I expected, my kids, they were pumped. And actually, they weren't even just excited. I mean, they were hysterical. They almost looked like they were just possessed with something. I really wish I would have had it on camera. Megan was there because, I mean, they were just shouting, they were yelling, they were jumping up and down around this bear, they were hugging, and I kept telling them, like, you know, get off the bear, and so they created such a spectacle that, I kid you not, our our neighbor's kids next door came out to see what all the ruckus was about, and so they came outside, and when my kids saw them, they were so happy, they had to go share the good news of this Christmas bear with my neighbors, and so they went over there, and they're like, neighbor boys, come over, they don't know their names, they're like, hey boys, come over here, look at this bear. It's amazing. It's all the neighbor's kids come over and they're like all doing their thing around it. And it was just this beautiful moment because I mean, they were literally so excited. They could not help but share their excitement with others. They could not contain their joy. And you see, the reason I share that is because that's exactly where we find Mary in our passage in Luke chapter one. Just set the context for you. Mary is probably 15 
to 16 years old. And she just found out through the angel that she is going to give birth to the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah who would come into this world to save sinners like you and me. And as a result of receiving this news, Mary's overwhelmed with joy. I mean, she literally breaks out into the very first Christmas song ever written, which is what this is. It's a song. And in verse 46, her first lyrics is, My soul magnifies the Lord. In other words, I'm I'm so excited right now, I cannot contain my joy. I'm so excited. I cannot help but express this excitement and my affections for God to the world. And therefore, she says, My soul or my lips magnify the Lord. I wonder this morning, can the same be said of you? I wonder this morning, is it true of you that you believe that God has done something so incredible in your life that you cannot help but tell others about who he is and what he has done? Is it true of you this morning that your heart is so filled with the love of God that literally that love just overflows out of you and actually not only changes how you talk, but what you're talking about? I don't know about you, but I was so blessed to see the baptisms this morning. Wasn't that awesome? To see Rachel and Roger come up and and to say, man, I want to publicly declare, I want the world to know who God is and what he has specifically done for me. And you know, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting with uh, Rachel and Tyler at, at Dairy Queen, and we were talking about Rachel's story. And she said, you know, when I met the real Jesus, whenever he captured my heart, I could not help but share that good news with others. I could not help but talk about it. And you know why that is? Plain and simple, listen. If you love Jesus, you're going to talk about Jesus. And you know why that is? Because God created us emotional human beings who have to talk about the things that we care about the most. For example, how many of you in here are Cubs fans? Raise your hands. Okay, all right. That's interesting. There's more people that raise their hands now after the World Series than before the World Series. Um, but I know we got two up here that are diehard. So let me just say this. Cubs fans, did you notice how this year when you won the World Series, I didn't have to tell you how to talk about them winning the World Series. I didn't have to say, hey, guys, I'm a Cardinals fan. I've been there before. All right. And so, amen, Scott. That's the way you like it, isn't it? All right. We just have a moment. Cardinals fan here. All right, sorry, guys. So I didn't, I, didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to coach them in that. I didn't have to have a class on how to talk about your team winning the World Series. No. Cubs fans, we all know, they just talked about it. They just opened up their mouths, right? And they just began to spew out of them, right? They began to send Facebook messages, text messages, phone calls. They let you know they won the World Series whether you wanted to know or not. Why? Because they can't help themselves. They love the Chicago Cubs. Some of you are like, well, I'm not a sports fan. That doesn't relate to me. Okay, parents, who had to coach you and how to talk about your children? Nobody. You look at some of our Instagram accounts, it's all pictures of our kids. Facebook posts, pictures of our kids. Right? We talk about our kids. We invite people to our kids' birthday parties and graduations. I mean, we will literally talk about our kids to complete and total strangers. Why? Because we love our children. We cannot help but talk about the things that we love, whether that be a sports team or our children, a favorite TV show, a song that you just heard, a workout scheme. We always talk about the things that we care about the most. 
Jesus says the reason for this in Luke 6.45 is from out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you want to know where your heart is this morning? You want to know what you care the most about? Stop and consider what do you talk the most about? Jesus says whatever you're most effortlessly talking about, that reveals what you really love. With that in mind, I want to ask you an important question this morning. When you think about what you talk about, is it clear that you love Jesus? I know I'm in front of a crowd, but I'm in front of a crowd of individuals. Do you love Jesus? The question this morning, listen, be careful. The question this morning is not, are you serving in the church? The question is not, have you been baptized? The question is not, are you tithing? The question is not, are you voting the right way and doing all the right things and being nice to people? The question I'm asking you this morning is the most important question anybody could ever ask you. Do you truly love Jesus? For some of you this morning, you know the answer to that is no. For some, maybe you're like, I'm, actually, I don't know. I'm not really sure if I love Jesus or I don't. For probably the majority of us in here, you would say, yes, I do love Jesus, but certainly there's room for growth in that area. And I just want to say, no matter where you are, first off, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Fellowship Parable is a place where you can belong before you believe, okay? You don't have to have all this figured out. You don't have to love God before we first start loving you. But I also want to say this. Listen, if you don't truly love Jesus, do you realize there's some lesser thing out there that is taking that love? Like you do love someone or something. Like there is an object of your love, whether it be your career, your kids, success, power. I don't know what it may be. But listen, if you ultimately set your love on something other than Jesus, that thing, I promise you, will one day disappoint you, discourage you, or drive you into the ground. You hear Rachel's testimony? My kids became my God. What happened as a result? Not life. Bondage. Slavery. I know I've been there. And if we can be honest, there's times we all have. Therefore, what I want you to hear is this. It is very important today that we set our love on God. But if we can be honest, you can't just turn that on right now, can you? I mean, can anybody just be like, love God switch? Right? None of us can do that. So, so how is that possible? What I want you to hear is, listen, in order for you to have a deep love for God, the, 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 the key to that today is not just willing within yourself, like love God, love God, love God, love God, and it's going to happen. You don't even need to try harder to be better. But listen, if you want to have a deep love for God, you first have to understand the deep love that God has for you. That is truly the secret, that God's love for you poured out through Christ has to go from rumor to reality. And so what I want to do this morning, I can't make that go from rumor to reality. I can't set God's love in your heart, but I can try to hold it up for you and pray the Spirit will drive it into you. So that's what I'm going to do. In the short amount of time we have left, I'm just going to focus on the love that God has for you. Does that sound okay? For four of you, awesome. For the rest of you, hopefully you'll be more excited by the end, okay? Verse 46, look again. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, and all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things, and holy is his name. Just to summarize this, Mary says, Everyone's going to look at me and say, You are so blessed. And she says, I am blessed. But what you need to know is I'm blessed 
Not because I'm mighty, but because God is mighty. I'm blessed not because I'm holy, but because God is holy. I'm blessed not because I'm special, but because God is special. And look at verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, quite honestly, if you were reading this in your quiet time, you'd probably just skip right past that. But if you were a good Jew in the first century, when you would have read that or had that read to you, verse 50, you would have immediately stopped and you would have recalled your story, Israel's story, and the faithfulness of God to his people. And one of the ways that you would have done that is you would have flipped over and you would have looked at Deuteronomy chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, hold your spot in Luke 1 and look to Deuteronomy 7. If not, I'll put it on the screen for you. Deuteronomy 7 is one of the most famous passages that, that any good Jew would have memorized and recalled often to remember God's faithfulness from generation to generation. And here's what it says. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, God is actually talking to Moses here about the people of Israel. And he says this. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Now listen. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you're actually the fewest of all people. But here's why God chose you. You ready for this? It's because the Lord loves you. It's because the Lord loves you. And is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. And the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh the king. Did you catch what God said to Moses? God says, hey, Israel, I didn't choose you because you were impressive. Hey, Israel, like I didn't set my love on you because you somehow just had it all together. Some of you, you remember whenever you were a kid on the playground in elementary school and you'd play kickball or football or whatever it was, whatever sport. Remember how you'd get team captains and then you'd be, they'd begin to pick teams. And what would happen if you were the best, you'd be picked what? First, if you were the worst, you'd be picked last. That's the way it works in the world. It's not the way it works with God. God is not trying to build some team that makes up for anything he's lacking in. God isn't lacking in anything. So what God says right here is, look, I don't pick the brightest. I don't need the most attractive or even the most spiritual. But instead, when I choose people, I choose them because I want to. When I set my love on them, I set my love on them simply because I want to love them. How incredible is that? Isn't that amazing to think about today that when God looks at Israel, or when God looks here at Mary, or he looks at you, he says, I love you, and not because you're awesome, but God loves you because 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. It's what he does. He sets his love on us. And it is a love, listen, I'm telling you this morning, that every single one of us in here, whether you know it or not, all are longing for. It's what we all need. And isn't it great news today? This is a love that you don't have to earn. You don't have to deserve. You simply, if you want this love, you need to believe God is who he says he is, and he's done everything that he says he's done for you through Christ Jesus. John three sixteen, probably the most famous verse in all the Bible at least in American culture, says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I love that it doesn't just say God loved the world. It says God so loved the world. I remember before we had kids, I would look at these parents who would 
kiss all over their kids and hug all over their kids and make those little cute, embarrassing faces and voices. And I'd be like, I will never do that. But then what happened? My wife starts popping out our kids. And they look like us. And they're dependent on us. And you know what? Before they ever did anything other than poop their pants, I was crazy about those kids. I love those kids. And you know what? They make so many messes. They're needy, at times stinky, and just plain weird. But man, my love has done nothing but grow for them. Because I'm dad. I so I cannot help but love my own children. You realize today the love you have for your kids looks like hate compared to the love that God has for you? You realize that? God so loved the world. How do you know? He gave his only son for you that whoever believes. Notice it says whoever earns it, whoever deserves it. Whoever believes will have everlasting life. God so loves the world. You realize you're in that world. I heard a commentator say this past week. God loves all of us as if there was only one of us. You're in that world. God so loved you. He gave his only son for you so that if you just believe he is who he says he is and done everything he says he's done through Christ, you can have life. Romans 5, 8 says that God shows his love for us when? While we were still sinners. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. You know what that means? That means that whenever you were at your absolute worst, God gave you his absolute best. When you were still being a jerk, God was still loving you. When you were still looking at pornography, God was still loving you. When you still weren't being the spouse you were supposed to be or the parent you weren't supposed to be, God was loving you. When you were still greedy, when you were stealing, when you were fighting, when you were quarreling, whenever you were eating too much and drinking too much or sleeping too much, God was still loving you. And guess what? Today, no matter who you are or where you come from, he is still loving you. You know why? Because the Bible says his love is not contingent on you having your life together. It's contingent on God simply being who he is. I am so thankful that God's love for us is greater than Santa's love for us. I do not hate Santa Claus, by the way. Some of you, I've got emails and text messages ever since my uh, article in the Premier Magazine. And people are like, dude, why are you a Santa hater? I'm not a Santa hater. My kids can talk about Santa, whatever. Open presents from Santa, all I... Here's just my point, and every, every time I bring up Santa every year, talk to kids about Santa, enjoy Santa, whatever, but please make sure your kids know that God's love for them is much greater than Santa's love for them. You, that you owe that to your kids. I mean, think about the song that we sing of your Santa Claus is coming to town. Do we have those lyrics, Ryan? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Why? Because Santa Claus is coming to town, baby. Hey, you sad? You brokenhearted this morning? You upset about something? Well, you better put on a happy face. (laughs) 
He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice, which, by the way, we've all been naughty more than nice. Told my daughter that this past week. She came home and she said, Wyatt, if you're not good, Santa's not going to give you presents. I said, if, if that's what it's all about, then neither one of y'all are getting presents this year because you blew it a long time ago. Santa Claus has come into town. Next line. This is where it gets a little creepy. <laughs> he sees you when you're sleeping. I don't know if he's looking through, looking through a window or he has a glass ball. <laughs> he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So what? Be good for goodness sake. Hey, um, Santa Claus knows if you've been bad or good. So when he comes to town, listen, you better be good for goodness sake. When the real Jesus comes to town, he knows all of us have been bad. But you know what? He says, I'm going to be good for your sake. He says, I'm going to... Thank you, brother. (laughs) Jackie, where are you at? (laughs) There we go. I have literally told our missional community a hundred times, please start shouting, hollering, like I'm trying to like stage it throughout the sermon. (laughs) And they won't do it. So, it doesn't count anymore, Jackie. I already told you to do it. <laughs> Santa Claus comes and says, I, look, you better be good, ah, for goodness sake. Jesus says, you cannot be good, I'll be good for your sake. I'm going to come, I'm going to live a perfect life you could never live. I'm going to die a death that you deserve to die. I'm going to raise from the dead on your behalf, conquering sin, death, and hell, so that when you just believe... You receive my goodness and you stand before God holy and blameless and accepted, receiving the love that you are actually longing for. When the Santa Claus comes to town, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give presents to the deserving. When the real Jesus comes to town, he says, I'm going to give God's presence to the most undeserving. That's the Christmas story. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the greatest gift the world has ever known. It's not someone giving a gift for another. It's God giving himself for you so that you can have his presence. God's love is the greatest gift you could ever open this year. And you know what the difference between his love and any other gift you will open? This present will never break and it will not ever fade away. It will not go out of style. I was reminded this past week, man, how much I need God's love I woke up, somebody had slit my Christmas bear's throat in the middle of the night. True story. <laughs> you didn't see the story going there, did you? <laughs> Surprise factor. <laughs> I didn't want to take a picture. And so... I wasn't in a good mood. I mean, this Christmas bear's head's hanging by a thread. <laughs> I go to work. It was an all right day, but um, <laughs> my wife cannot stop laughing right now because she knows. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we've been waiting to find out from the doctors what in the world's going on with my son. We know he has some sort of condition. We don't know what it is. We cannot get answers for that, so that was very frustrating. And I thought, you know, that's okay, though. The bear issue, my son not getting the answers. Well, at least I'm getting my favorite meal when I show up. Soup, beans, and ham, homemade cornbread, and fried potatoes. Well, 
it would, but <laughs> I come home and there was not any soup beans, there's no ham, there's no cornbread. Come to find out the ham Megan was going to use, it expired. So I, re- I literally had like a dumb and dumb and moment where I'm sitting there and I'm like, we got no food, we got no answer, our bear's head is falling off, right? <laughs> not happy, I'm very frustrated. And in that moment, I'd love to say that I love my wife as Christ loved the church, but I did not. (laughs) I didn't yell at her. I didn't hit her, anything like that. But I certainly let her know that I was not happy. I was not pleased with this situation. And I sort of think in this past week, man, and I know we all giggle, but man, isn't it great to know that unlike me, Jesus' love tank never runs on E? Isn't it great to know today that his love is not dependent on how well you perform? Do you understand the Bible says literally whenever you give your life to Jesus, you're married to him. You enter into a covenant relationship with him. And you want to know what kind of spouse Jesus is? Listen to this. You ready for this? Here's some good news. You know what kind of spouse Jesus is? The Bible says every time that we sin against Jesus, it's like we have an affair on him. And we do it every day. But you know what Jesus does? He goes to work, and despite the fact that we screw up the dinner, that the house isn't clean, The kids aren't well behaved and we've cheated on him over and over again. He looks at us and he says, you know what? I love you as you are and not as who you should be. And I'm still going to pursue you and I'm still going to be here and I'm still going to be faithful to you even whenever you're faithless to me. That's what Mary wants us to focus on this morning. She says, as she actually ends in this song in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Why in the world did Mary bring up Abraham and his offspring forever? Well, the whole point is, if you've ever watched Israel, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you know they are like this. They are faithful one minute, they are a disaster the next. And what is God? He's constant. He's there. He's pursuing. He's loving. And so here's what she's remembering. You know what? God is faithful even whenever we're not faithful. She's remembering the steadfast love of God. She's remembering that he shows compassion to the weak, which was what it means. She says he's merciful. She remembers that God pours his love out on us, not because he thinks we deserve it the most, but because he knows that we need it the most. Question is this morning as we are closing. Have you received the gift of God's love? If not, what are you waiting for? Have you received this gift? I was reading in um, Brendan Manning's book, The Ruthless Trust, this past week, and he tells a story about being behind this Buick that was traveling like 55, 60 miles per hour. And he says, all of a sudden, they open their door, and they throw out this puppy. Okay? Yeah, it's, it's sad. Same thing I did. I was like, golly. And what makes it even more sad is he says this puppy, it was broken, it was bloody. But you know what it does? It, it got up and began to try to run towards the car. So it was trying to get back to the very people that hurt him. And all the puppy wanted to do was just love, his, love these people, right? And uh, Manning says, man, it's really a tragic sight to think about. But all that pales in comparison to realize what Christ has done for us. In the fact that Christ was no helpless victim. That's where this illustration can break down. He was not like helplessly thrown out of a car. Jesus said, I will willingly be thrown out of the car for you and for me. We, to be, we are the ones who deserve to be abandoned, to be thrown aside, 
because of our sin against him. But Jesus says, you know what? I'll be thrown out for you. I will go to the cross. I'll be nailed there. I'll shed my blood for you. I'll be broken by the wrath of God on your behalf. And despite the fact that you are continually sinning against me, I am going to hang here on the cross. And I'm going to die for you. Why? Because of love. God is still loving each of you today. The fact that you are here right now and you're getting one more chance to hear the gospel preached is a sign that God loves you. And he's pursuing you. Question is today, where are you going? Some of you are in that Buick. And I don't know where you're heading. But I just want to ask you today, what destination is so incredibly important that you're literally willing to trade the love of God in order to get there? Guys, if we have the love of God, we have nothing. Therefore, I pray today that you will receive this, that you will stop driving away, stop pursuing these lesser loves, and that you will see that Jesus Christ is standing. He's ready for you. All you have to do today is to open your heart to him to receive the greatest love that the world has ever known. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You just have to admit today that you're broken. You just have to admit today that you're a sinner in need of grace. And then look to Jesus. I wonder if you can do that today or is that beneath you? Roger, you gave us a perfect picture of the posture that we're all to take before God in our hearts today. You being carried into that baptistry. I mean, that, that honestly, I mean, that is the posture that we're to take. We're to literally say that I cannot enter into a relationship with God apart from the help of God. I need God for everything. Jesus said literally, blessed, uh, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who know they are spiritually bankrupt before him. The truth is today, listen, the only thing, if you don't know the love of God today, some of you know about the love of God, you do not know the love of God. The only thing keeping you from the love of God today, I promise you, it's your own pride. For some of you today, you still think you're too good for Jesus. You're too smart for Jesus. You're too on top of your game for Jesus. Mary says in verse 52, God brings down the mighty. In verse 53, he sends away the rich. The whole point of that is, you know what she's saying? The only people who spend an eternity in hell missing out on the love of God are not the people who were too bad for God. They were the people who thought they were too good for God. That's the ones who miss out. Therefore, with all the love that's in my heart this morning, I just want to implore you right now, receive the love of God. Admit you're broken. Admit that on your worst day that you are a sinner deserving of hell, that you're worse than you could ever imagine, but you're more loved than you ever dreamed. Open your heart to the real Jesus and experience the love that you're longing for. Um, here's the way I want to end. Last night, I was um, laying in bed, and, and my, a week from tomorrow, my wife is having a C-section. Our third baby will be here. Okay, and so like I'm thinking about that, we're preparing for it, and I'm just in this state of reflection and thinking about having another kid and our own kids, and I just begin to think about our church and where we are and moving forward, and I just sort of reflecting on all, all the past you know year, and man, God has been so good to our church, has He not? He's been so good. If you, if you just thought, stopped and thought about what's happened in the past year, I mean, we literally planted a church, we started a new church, a new part of the country where the gospel can go forward. People can meet the real Jesus. We've seen like 14, 15 people baptized this year. More people giving their lives to Christ. God's blessed us with this facility. 
We've launched more missional communities. I mean, God's brought Adam and Carrie here, Adam on staff. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We've been so blessed. And I think in many ways, 2017 is going to be better than 2016. I mean, I'm so excited for you members, man, that we're going to be launching literally a customized spiritual formation plan for each of you in light of your personality type and how God's wired you. We've got some guest speakers we're going to bring in next year. We're going to be doing workshops and all sorts of things to, I think, help you grow into the man and the woman that God's created you to be. 2017, I really believe, is going to be fantastic. But you know what I also think? 2017 is also going to be really hard. Guys, we're all going to suffer in 2017. We're all going to battle sickness. We're all going to be shocked with some sort of bad news, whether it be health or a career or a relationship. Like, this life is going to continue to be filled with many mountains and also many valleys. And you know the only thing that will get us through that? It's knowing without a shadow of a doubt that we are loved by God. And so what I want to do is I want to end this way. In Romans chapter 8, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come forward, just so we're not distracting as we're actually reading this. Romans chapter 8, if you have a Bible, just turn there with me, and I'm going to end here this morning. And Ben, if you mind, don't, don't play until after this. Um, I just don't want us to be distracted. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39, is one of the most audaciously confident passages on the love of God and all of the Bible. And so here's what I want you to do. You can either look at the screen or close your eyes, look at your Bible, but I want you to meditate on these words. And I want you to ask, as I'm reading them, the Spirit will make them alive in your heart. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not now graciously give us all things? God has already given you the greatest gift he could give you by giving you his son. If you've received him, what in the world makes you think he's going to nickel and dime you to death now? He will give you all good things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. If you feel condemned today, if you feel guilty, look to Jesus. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is that not the question all of us are asking right now? Can I sin too much that God would stop loving me? Is there something I could do too much? Is, is there one thing that I could do that God's just like, okay, that's it. You know what? I saved you. It was grace in the beginning, but good grief. I mean, I've given you too much grace. I'm done with you. That's kind of a question we're all really asking, I think. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, right? Suffering, danger, sword, as it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Say it like you mean it. Loved us. It does not matter what happens to you next year. If you believe this, you are more than a conqueror. For I am sure, you hear the confidence there? I am sure, Spirit, please help us to believe this. I am sure, I am 100% confident that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor anything present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else. And by anything, the Greek word there is literally anything. 
Anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Amen. Christian, hey, look, whoever you are, if you are trusting the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, I don't care who you are or what you've done, you are as deeply rooted in the love of God as Christ Jesus is rooted in the love of God. You can take that to the bank. I pray we never forget this. I pray it never becomes old news. I pray we remember it not just during Christmas season, but in 2017 and beyond. And as a result, we will then love God, we'll love our neighbor, we'll love our city, we'll love our world as Christ has loved us.